And welcome to Super Nerd Podcast, the adventure that brings you the latest nerd news and rumors from movies, TV, entertainment, and science. If it is nerdy, we are talking about it. And tonight's main event is Star Trek Picard Mid-Season Nerd Out. I am your host, Austin. And with me, as always, is the amazing Amanda. Hey. Hey, folks. Thanks for joining us. We got an awesome episode coming up. We're going to be talking everything from... uh, Steven Spielberg leaving Indiana Jones 5. Oh, don't say that. Uh, some Back to the Future reboot rumors. We're even going to be talking about Bob Iger stepping down as the CEO of Disney and a whole bunch more, uh, as well as Star Trek Picard mid-season nerd out. That is our main event. But uh, Amanda, how have you been? What What's nerdy with you? So I have downloaded the sonic racing game (laughs) where you race against other people with sonic characters yes and i've become slightly obsessed with it okay yeah it seems that way (laughs) Uh, sonic forces that's the name of the game yeah it's like a um it's kind of like Mario Kart, but with sonic characters yeah it is it's pretty good well it's 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 uh so okay so i i found it Yes. After after we watched Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, I was getting on a little Sonic kick and I downloaded some Sonic games to include Sonic the Hedgehog 4, which is a mobile game. It's like a direct sequel to Sonic 1, 2, and 3. But uh, but it's like one of those temple run games. And instead of just doing a you know temple run, you do it with like three or four other players. And you can sabotage the other players. Yeah, yeah. Mario Kart. It actually is a pretty fun game. It's just you got way hooked into it. And I and I played Sonic and 4 more. I'm almost to like the elite levels. The elite levels. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> so, so far, I haven't made it. Um, I'm made it as far as I would like yet, but. I'm not willing to put actual cash into it. So <laughs> that would be why. Uh, that's funny. So, so do you, have, you build some street cred at the elite level? Um, uh, I don't know. I'm so far, I think my rank is like 37,000. Ah, well, keep working on it. And yeah. Maybe you'll get higher or maybe not. I don't know. Then that's bad advice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to be playing it all nonstop. Uh, Well, I think it's time to talk a little uh, nerd news. Many Bothans died to bring us this information. And what is the news that should be on your nerd radar? Well, the title for Jurassic World 3, or should we be... Is this Jurassic World 3 or is this Jurassic Park 6? It's World Jurassic World 3 or Jurassic Park 6, whatever you want to call it, the title for it has been revealed. Uh, Production has officially started on Jurassic World 3, and director Colin Trevorrow, or Trevorrow, whatever the internet wants me to call him, has revealed the title of the film as Jurassic World Dominion. 
And if you remember uh, a podcast or two ago, apparently Colin Trevorrow mentioned that the internet actually had guessed it already. But anyways, the next chapter in the story will feature a world in which dinosaurs have escaped captivity and are living free in the world. The movie will explore how humanity is dealing with that madness. And apparently there's a whole new thing going on with some sort of human clone. I think I'm a clone now. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, Trevorrow is returning to direct the film from a script he also co-wrote with Emily how do you say that name? Carmichael. Oh, yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Emily Carmichael from Pacific Rim Uprising. Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard are returning. And Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, and Sam Neill are also reprising their roles from the original Ooh. Jurassic Park movie. All three of them. Uh, it's also said that we'll see a lot of other familiar faces from across the franchise. I even heard a rumor that the the little boy from the first film that puts the uh, uh, little goggles on his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, he, I hear he the, might be coming back. The grandson? Yeah, the grandson. Yeah, he he, he was the one that noticed uh, the water moving in the little cup well, when T-Rex was coming. So I wonder how he'll play into it since he should be like well, a really like wealthy individual. Uh, well, well, maybe and, yeah, if he inherited his uh, grandfather's stuff. Yeah, but I mean, the actual see his sister. The actual actor's probably got to be about you know in his mid to upper thirties. I'm thinking. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see him yeah. back. But uh, Jurassic World Dominion. What do you What do you think of that title? I don't really know how I feel about it. Uh, oh, it sounds great because it's 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 kind of like a Planet of the Apes type thing where the apes are slowly taking over the oh, world, yeah. except it's dinosaurs. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, this is perfect. Yeah. Uh, I just hope, um, you know, the first Jurassic World movie was awesome. I mean, a lot of nostalgia playing off of Jurassic Park. Uh, but, you know, I'm OK with that. I don't I don't mind having some nostalgia. I really enjoyed seeing Jurassic World as a fully functioning park. You know, we never got to see that in Jurassic Park. And my imagination for all these years has wanted to know what it'd be like. Uh, but the second one, uh, which we you know we just never really got into the second one yeah. too much. So I'm hoping this third one's going to be great. But uh, but uh, moving on, uh, Steven Spielberg, unfortunately, is no longer directing Indiana Jones Five. Uh, Steven Spielberg has been developing Indiana Jones Five for years. Uh, and was attached to direct it, and uh, production was supposed to start in about two months' time. Well, he is no longer going to direct the film and is looking to hand the directing job off to another filmmaker. Uh, This comes as a huge surprise, and it will be the first time in the franchise's history that another director other than Steven Spielberg will helm an Indiana Jones movie. George Lucas, who created Indiana Jones, isn't going to be involved. Steven Spielberg isn't going to be involved. Um, But apparently director James Mangold, who is best known for helming Logan in the Academy Award-nominated film Ford vs. Ferrari, he's stepping in to replace Spielberg. And, uh, you know, I loved... Uh, Mangold's film work and I, I'm sad to see Spielberg won't direct the movie. I think Mangold could bring something very cool, fresh to the franchise if he decides to actually take on the job, but you know, Spielberg will remain 
uh, as a hands-on producer. And according to Variety, the decision to leave the director's chair was entirely Spielberg's in a desire to pass along Indy's whip to a new generation to bring their perspective to the story. I, you know, I can respect that, and, and I get it, but still, I was really pumped to see Spielberg and Harrison form team up again for one more film. Yes, Ford is still attached to the project. Don't worry, folks. But uh, but he's previously talked about it, saying that there are scheduling issues and a few script things and that we're, you know, we're determined to get it right before it gets made. And it's currently scheduled to be released on July 9th, 2021. What? But, you know, the, the thing that sounds weird to me um, is this whole decision to leave in order to pass Indy's whip to a new generation okay. of storytellers. So here's some thoughts on that. Steven Spielberg is getting older. He has yeah. maybe some health issues that no, we don't know about. No. It could be, could be, could be. Oh, I don't um, think The other so. thing is... Maybe he's got scheduling conflicts because no. they did mention that no, um, scheduling no. issues. Harrison Ford said there were scheduling issues. But Steven Spielberg, in his own words, said the decision was to pass Indy's whip to a new generation in order to bring their perspective and to the story. it could be that there were so many scheduling issues. He's like, you know what? Let's hand this off to a new generation. No. It, hey, uh, hey. You're looking at this in a completely different direction. Yeah. They're wonderful. Sure, sure. But... What, what, what I'm getting out of this is um, it sounds to me like maybe Disney, which now owns Indiana Jones because they bought Lucasfilm, uh, maybe Disney is going to try and do some Indiana Jones films without Harrison Ford. Maybe bring in a new actor to take, take up the Indiana Jones mantle, kind of like James Bond. Okay. You know, why else would they want a new generation coming in to kind of continue the story. They I can't... want to make a larger IP out of it. So we're going to be looking at Disney Plus TV shows. <laughs> we're going to... This is going to be... You think oh, Har- yeah. You think, you think Harrison Ford is going to do some uh, no, Indiana Jones TV? No, this is the handoff. This is the handoff. Like, they tried to do it with the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and that failed miserably. Handing it off to... What's his name? The, the, um, the Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf, who was supposed to be, what, his son? It was... Yeah, but now I'm thinking we're going to have a daughter from someone else, maybe. Well, would you be against Shia LaBeouf coming back? And oh, I have no problems with him coming back. I just, I'm just, because it didn't take off with Kingdom of the Crystal School, I see them rebooting a reboot. You know, I almost wonder, I almost wonder if they're going to try to insert this Indiana Jones movie between Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and The Last Crusade. Uh, make it like a de-aged Harrison Ford Indiana mm. Jones, uh, and then they could still leave that as the last one for there to be a handoff to Shia LaBeouf. I, I, I it would it would feel so weird to have two Indiana Jones films in which both of the last two are handing it off to the new generation. But but I mean overall, to me, it sounds like Disney is maybe trying to go the way of James Bond get some new actors to take up Indiana Jones. Otherwise it doesn't make sense for Steven Spielberg to, to pass it off because okay. it's, that sounds like there's going to be so more to it. There, there, there is, he's going to pass it off to this new director because he's going to be getting ready to make more. Who's making more? Uh, I'm, I'm you're sure. Steven okay. Spielberg if, if, is making more. No, I'm saying that there, if this is successful, they're going to make more indie movies. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. And I, but, but, Her- really- but what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is Harrison Ford's getting too old to continually play Indiana Jones. So they're going to, to me, 
This that, is supposed to be a handoff. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's like it, I'm, it's the I'm, second handoff. I'm trying. I'm trying to wrap. Well, it's not a handoff. But but but, but do you think it's going to be a handoff from the Indiana Jones character to a completely different character, or do you think it's going to be a new actor coming in to play mm. Indiana Jones? That's what I'm saying about James Bond you know, actors. I, I I really wouldn't mind seeing Shia LaBeouf back. I I wouldn't mind either. I think it so, would make sense. At the same time, I could see them totally doing a different actor. But and, and what's funny about that is, you know, Indiana Jones was always based off of James Bond. And so oh. so they could go down that route. Well, the funny. other thing, though, is I'm just realizing Shia LaBeouf is a Disney um, child actor. OK, well, so what ha- was he in? Ha- I don't remember. I uh, some sort of Disney Channel show, oh, okay. teenage bopper <laughs> thing. Sure, 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 sure. Okay, anyways. I just remember he was sure on it. Um. Anyway, so he probably has a lot of good connections with Disney, so maybe that will help him get back in. Uh, sure. But anyways, <laughs> uh, as as long as the story isn't as weird and wonky as Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> And gets on track with maybe a little bit more of the kind of the 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 religious history type of you know stuff that that was that was one two and three a little I'll, bit more. I'll take crazy history, just not sci-fi history. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, I think I think we should move on. Let's talk a little Star Trek movie news. Uh, unfortunately, it's not very good news. Um, <laughs> is is Star Trek movies on the chopping block moving oh, yeah. forward? Uh, even though even though there's a new Star Trek film currently being developed by Legion creator Noah Howley. Is that how you say his name? Howley? And, sure. And I don't know. Anyways, Simon Pegg, who's been in the last three Star Trek films, seems to have his doubts that we'll see another Star Trek movie get made. That's really too bad. It is. Uh, while talking to Games Radar, Pegg explained that Paramount Pictures isn't really in a rush to make another one because Star Trek movies simply don't make Marvel money. Why does everything have to make Marvel money? Uh, it, it is kind of stupid. Uh, the f- here, here's, Simon, here's what Simon Pegg had to say. Quote, the fact is Star Trek movies don't make Marvel money. They make maybe $500 million at most. And to make one now on the scale that they've set themselves is two hundred million? You you have to make three times that to make a profit. I don't feel like the last one. They they didn't really take advantage of the fiftieth anniversary. I agree, we're there. Uh, the regimen at the time dropped the ball. I'm sorry, the regime at the time dropped the ball on the promo of the film, and we've lost momentum. I think losing Anton was a huge blow to our little family and our enthusiasm to do another one might have been affected by that. So I don't know. End quote. You know, he makes a good point there. 2009 Star Trek grossed $385 million. The follow-up Star Trek Into Darkness made $467 million. And then the third one, which in my opinion was the worst of the three, Star Trek Beyond, ended up pulling in $343 million. You know, we've, we've heard all sorts of crazy rumors, one after another for the past number of months. It's on, off. Star Trek is all over the place. Simon Pegg's been at the heart of most of these rumors. But, I mean, what do you think is going it's on? Just, with, it's what, just going to crash. Like, it's not going to happen. They're making too much success on CBS All Access. It's drawing people in to buy their 
online ser- their their streaming services. So they're just going to plunk down all into um, CBS All Access. Well, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I I haven't really been hearing rumors about CBS All Access getting a ton of uh, subscriptions out of the blue. I mean, they got us. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but I mean, it, it was not like Disney Plus that came on and with the Mandalorian and all these people flooded. Uh, the subscriptions, but well, they they start off with um, Star Trek Discovery. That was their pull in. It sure. didn't pull us in at the time, but I think Picard has really drawn people in, and now we're watching Discovery. It's just a matter of they're making more money on the TV shows, which cost less to produce. So why worry about making these high budget? movies that have a higher chance of flopping um well yeah i don't know okay so so i I just looked it up real quick uh yeah you know you're right amanda right here uh star trek picard is helping break streaming records for cbs all access uh which doesn't surprise me it's now up to 16 million streams apparently according to variety.com so so yeah you're right it is bringing in a lot more uh numbers um you know, I think, gosh, I don't know. I think Star Trek deserves to be on the big screen to tell the epic stories. Um, I, I'm, I am mostly mad at at Chris Pine and Chris Helmsworth because uh, they would have made one had had they not demanded more money. Uh, because because at the time that they they came on was the you know the first Star Trek film and back in two thousand nine both of them weren't really you know any sort of you know household name yet um, I, I don't know Paramount Pictures needs to bring Star Trek back but I don't think they should do another reboot of the original series <laughs> well I'm thinking that they could be leading towards a Picard movie which could really bring in people depending on how they do the TV series. Yeah. They could do a movie off of discovery. And so it could be depending on how well these, um, CBS all access series do, whether they'll maybe make a movie off of those. Well, if they do make a movie off of those, I don't think it would be, uh, the, the big screen adventures that we've seen in the past. I think it would be something a little smaller. Um, because because to me, I, I think a studio would have to feel very comfortable with bringing a movie to the big screen when probably 99% of the movie audience hasn't seen it because it's been all hidden behind a subscription wall, you know? That's true. So Star Trek has a place on the big screen. What's the formula to get it back at this point right right now? I don't know. But I, I hope I hope something comes back and and um, and if they can bring back, you know, Chris Pine and, and Zachary Quinto as Spock, I think that would be the, the best case. Uh, but, you know, you know what else they're talking about bringing back, apparently uh, back to the future. Uh, that's right. There's some re- some reboot rumors going on. Uh, did you see the the Back to the Future deep fake that's floating around the internet lately? It's just weird. <laughs> it's just weird. Well, you know, Tom Holland uh, was recently put into that Back to the Future deep fake as Marty McFly, and Robert Downey Jr. was Doc Brown. 
and Access Hollywood caught up with Tom Holland on the red carpet and asked him about that deep fake. And, and they had a little fun with him, too. Uh, let's take a listen to that. It was it was it was pretty fun to listen. Um, I got to ask you if you've seen this deep fake video of you and Robert Downey Jr. This is more serious than I thought. Apparently, your mother is amorously infatuated with you instead of your father. Whoa, wait, wait a minute. Talk, are you trying to tell me that my mother has got the hots for me? Precisely. What were your thoughts? What was the initial reaction to that? Because I kind of need this recreation to happen. Like, my yes, no? reaction was someone stole my face. Immediately, I was like, I should call my lawyer because yeah. that's definitely illegal. This, this feels like copyright infringement on your face, Tom. Not going to lie. But it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I sent it to Robert and was like, so when do we start shooting? Oh, um, so no, that's the, one of the only perfect movies ever made. Yeah. And we couldn't do it any better. Okay, so they might not make the movie again, but will you make my day and just give me this line? Please just give me this line. Are you trying to tell Tom. Me? Are you trying to tell me my mother has got the... Okay. He's like, how does he do it? He goes, whoa, wait a minute. Doc, are you trying to tell me my mother has got the hats for me? You are a gem. <laughs> you are a national treasure and must be protected at all costs. Thank you, Tom. That's funny. That's funny. Okay, so so in there, he he said, he said that he would not do it. And I agree with Tom. Back to the Future is like a perfect movie series. All I'm going to say is he could pass for Marty McFly's son. <laughs> he, he could. He I, could. That's all I'm going to say. But but but, but here, here's the thing, though, because Tom Holland can't get away from this deep fake because he went into a little bit more detail with uh, BBC Radio 1. Uh, and, because when they asked him about the deep fake, Holland replied, quote, I'd be lying if I said there hadn't been conversations in the past about doing some sort of remake. But that film is the most perfect film or, or one of the most perfect films, one that could never be made better. That said, if Robert Downey Jr. and I could just shoot that one scene that they made, you know, for fun, he could pay for it because he's got a load of money. <laughs> true, true. Uh, OK, so so here here's the thing, though. It sounds like Tom Holland wouldn't want to remake it. But the fact he confirms the studios have had conversations about remaking Back to the Future, uh, the series. That catches my attention. Um, because, you know, if the studios sniff money, which, which, which they do in a lot of these popular, you know, reboots and remakes, if the studios sniff some money to be made, they might just go ahead and do it. But they won't do it with Tom Holland, apparently. So here's what they need to do. They... It, not a remake, a reboot. Tom Holland could play Marty McFly's son and t be tell told stories or re be remembering stories to friends about how his dad said the future is going to be different than <laughs> what it is because they changed the future by their actions in the past. So now we don't have all that cool stuff that he saw. <laughs> and that's why we don't have flying cars or, exactly. or, or Jaws 3D hologram. Uh, well... So, uh, so, so, Back to the Future Four is what you're saying exactly. with Tom Holland. Yes, that is what they should do. Uh, that's not a bad idea. I could maybe get behind that if the story was fun. Uh, they would have to bring back. Um, oh, oh, I'm having a brain fart. The actor that plays Martin McFly. What's his name? Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox. Yeah, they would have to bring him back. Uh, of course, boy. But but this time maybe. Maybe he plays the Doc Brown-like character who's uh, showing his son the future and 
all the stuff. That'd be, that'd be crazy. That would be crazy. But let, let's jump to some TV news. Uh, Mark Ruffalo's Hulk might be in Disney Plus's She-Hulk series. Uh, last week, a brief synopsis was shared for Marvel's upcoming Disney Plus series, She-Hulk, and it teased the possible return of Mark Ruffalo's Hulk. It reads, uh, quote, also known as Jennifer Walters, She-Hulk is a lawyer and cousin of Bruce Banner, whose emergency blood transfusion from Bruce empowers her with Hulk-like abilities. Uh, Mark Ruffalo... Recently returned, I'm sorry, confirmed at the 2020 Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo that he is having preliminary talks with Marvel Studios for his potential appearance in the series. Uh, If Marvel really wants him to be in the series, I'm confident that they're going to figure out a way to make it happen. The last time we saw Hulk was in Avengers Endgame and he fused Banner and Hulk together to create Smart Hulk. Kind of a fun character that, you know, who knows, maybe that will pop up in uh, this the, the series. But, or I mean, we could just get rid of Smart Hulk and go back to... <laughs> normal Hulk? Normal Hulk versus Banner. I think that, that to me, makes more sense. And that's what they should do. Yeah, so so what do you think? Do you think it'd be... If, if he came on board, do you think he'd be like a series regular, a cameo? I, I think he'd have a few cameos, but I don't think he would be a regular. Because this is about She-Hulk, not Hulk. Sure. Well... I I think that like frequent cameos at the would be required. Well, then he always goes off into hiding, or maybe he's going to go somewhere else. All I know is, if the Hulk were in it too much, the focus would not be on him. <laughs> and to be honest, thinking about Smart Hulk, who in their right mind would get a blood transfusion from Smart Hulk? No one. Absolutely no one. So they've got to go back to the dichotomy. Well, the the, the needle wouldn't even pierce his arm, you know? <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's how we get rid of Smart Hulk is he's like, oh, I've got to go to Banner so that way I can give you this blood transfusion. Yeah, maybe. Let's move on. Uh, some great, huge news from Lucasfilm. Um, they've released a trailer introducing us, the nerd world, to the era of the High Republic about a, a month ago, we started hearing some rumors that Lucasfilm was going to set their next batch of Star Wars film in the Old Republic era. And then those rumors turned uh, the turned into the films being set in some era called the High Republic. And then those rumors were validated when the very first canon mention of the High Republic happened in the Rise of of Kylo Ren comic book series. And now Lucasfilm has officially released a high Republic era trailer, but not set for any movie, but apparently some sort of coordinated publishing initiative across books, young adult novels, comic books. And this high Republic era is set 200 years before Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. So, so let's take a listen to the trailer. It, it does have some text at the beginning, so I'll read what that text says, and then we can just take a listen, because they're going to explain a lot. So here we go. Let's take a listen to this. Ooh. 
set 200 years before the Old Republic. <laughs> so here's the funny thing. I've, I only got the audio, so I can't read the text because it's in the video. <laughs> Alright, folks. Basically, just saying this is going to be set 200 years before episode 1. During the prime of the, uh, the Jedi. So let's take a listen. We're finding ourselves at a very exciting moment with the Skywalker saga coming to an end. We're at a place of what's next for Star Wars. One of the things we've always done is be able to use our franchise platforms to explore the creative potential in the Star Wars galaxy. And so what if publishing was more of an incubation place and bring in great talent and just let their imaginations run free? put together the really unique writer's room where we had diverse voices with very different opinions about Star Wars. We all love Star Wars, but we're all coming in from very different places. This has been a very free environment for everybody to just throw things out there. We've all done lots of storytelling, but this is unique and really special. The idea that this thing has been simmering for so long. Mm -hmm. It's the secret history of the galaxy. Yep, it goes way back to the beginning of Star Wars. We gave them essentially a, a blank slate. What would you like to tell? For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights are the guardians of peace and justice. A line that we've been hearing since 1977, and we thought, you know, what does that look like? is a golden age where there's much more peace and calm in the galaxy. So we're calling it the High Republic. The description that we've used for the Jedi of this era is that they are the Jedi Knights of the Round Table. But Star Wars isn't just about Jedi, and we will tell stories of new smugglers, new scoundrels, new bounty hunters. The threat and the tension really comes from the Republic's borders, because the Republic does not extend from one side of the galaxy to the other. It's a bit of a Wild West new frontier. We see a different kind of Jedi that patrols the frontiers and is more of a Texas Ranger. We're now bringing in concept artists, illustrators, and visualists, the same way that you would when you're making a movie. We even had Ian McKay come down and just do sketch after sketch for us. When you have a guy who designed the look for Darth Maul sketching Jedi for you, it doesn't get any cooler than this. The scale of this initiative is really new for us. We're going to have stories for adults and teens and kids. We're building this out simultaneously across multiple publishers. It gives us the ability to tell vast interconnected stories across multiple years. There will be a core group of heroes that will expand over time. There'll be villains. Our main villain are the group called the Nile. We kind of like to refer to them as space Vikings. Their motto is, you can't take it with you, but we can take it from you. Our story starts with what we're calling the Great Disaster. It wouldn't be Star Wars without adventure. And there's definitely a series of events that will spin the galaxy into a dangerous new direction, and it'll give the opportunity for heroes to rise up. The cool thing about this is that there's going to be a story for every Star Wars fan. It's really fun to be able to keep readers on their toes. This era is ripe for storytelling. The Eureka moment was the question, what scares the Jedi? And that made us all go, ooh, something wicked this way comes.
what are your thoughts on the High Republic era? Well, I'm just excited to see them do something that it, it really sounds that they're coordinating this out a lot better than <laughs> seven, eight, and nine. Yes, and it does, that, actually. That makes me really excited that they've recognized their misstep and that we're going to get a better cohesive Star Wars story. I actually agree with you 100% that they're 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 coordinating their efforts much more so. But but this is a publishing initiative. Books, comic books. Everything has to be interconnected. Everything has to be right. And it should be a coordinated initiative with publishing. And then from publishing, we'll also get more movies and more stories. Maybe. And and that that's the big thing because when this trailer came out, you know, that was you're right. That's the big question. Is does this include Star Wars movies? And because after the trailer came out, a press release was dropped that says, quote, this period on the Star Wars timeline will not overlap with any of the films or series currently planned for production, giving creators and partners space to tell Star Wars stories in a never before explored timeline. Now, if I was to break that down, it says currently planned. And this mm-hmm. is, that doesn't mean it They're going to wait be. and see how people respond to the publishing initiative. Yeah, yeah. And, and check, check this out. There, there's a little bit more to the story that's kind of interesting. Um, so after this came out, starwars.com released a Q and a with the creative team behind the high Republic and the conversation turned to the medium in which these stories will be released to the public. You know, all the comics and books and all that stuff. Here's what they had to say. So, so there's four different authors talking here. So Claudia gray says, you know, that would be one of my favorite things that we're going that we're each going to do a very different kind of work, very different flavors of work. There's room in this initiative. Here we go. There's room in this initiative to have children's stories, adult stories. And then another author jumps in. It's not one aesthetic. Another Claudia Black or Claudia Black, Claudia Gray jumps in again. Scary stories, books, comics. Someone else says, you know, audio drama. That could be interesting. Well, yeah, I, I don't, maybe, maybe. But here's where it gets really interesting. Charles Soule says it could even go beyond publishing. So, so, so right there in the press release, they're saying no films. But then on StarWars.com, we've got one of the creatives saying it could go beyond publishing. <laughs> so, and, and that's what they're saying, though, is they're going to build this cohesive storyline that later on Lucasfilm can go, okay, let's build out either a series, TV series from this or a movie from this, and they'll be able to bring it. It just all depends on fan reaction to it. Yeah, I, th- I think I think you're kind. I think you're right. Or they could even build a video game off of it. Well, yeah, they could. They could. But 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 I think you're right. This might be Disney's new strategy with Star Wars is like, let's test the waters in publishing. <laughs> see if we're see if we're tapping into something that's really connecting with audiences and the, fans. They, they know the fans will go for it. They will. They will. I, I, I'm probably going to jump into it a little bit. And uh, and if it works, let's see if we can expand it. So uh, I, I hope that's the case because I, I know a lot of people – I've been wanting to see stories told in this era. It, 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 but but here's the other question real quick. This is the High Republic. It, it takes place 200 years before this episode one, The Phantom Menace. Is this, in, is this supposed to replace the Old Republic 
because the old Republic era that we've known in Legends, you know, forever introduced with the awesome game Knights of the Old Republic, you know, that that was like tens of thousands of years prior. Um, so so my if I was to answer my own question, I don't think it is. I think this is going to be a brand new era set between the Skywalker saga and the old Republic. But, uh, uh, but you know, who won't be sticking around uh, to see that is Bob Iger. <laughs> Cause Bob Iger has stepped down as the CEO of Disney. Uh, yeah. Huge news coming from the corporate world of Disney. Bob Iger has stepped down as the CEO effective immediately. Uh, as such, the Disney's board of directors has named Bob Chapak, I think that's how you say his name. Chapik. Chapik. Yeah, that sounds way better. Bob Chapik. <laughs> They've named him as the new CEO of Disney. Uh, so one Bob is replacing another. Uh, you know, I think, I personally think Bob Iger will go down as a Disney legend, having done an incredible job leading Disney and taking the company to new levels of greatness, you know, bringing on Marvel, Pixar, uh, 20th Century Fox, Lucasfilm, Bob Iger uh, will absolutely be, uh, you know, a legend to the company for for years and years to come. But but here's the interesting thing: is Bob Iger will is actually going to stay with the company, but in the role of the executive chairman, and and in in essence, he's going to be directing the company's creative endeavors. Mm. Uh, while continuing to lead the board. So he's still got some power to wield, but his focus is going to be on the creative side instead of the business side of Disney's, of Disney properties. So, so Bob Iger will stay in his new role through the end of his current contract, December 31st, 2021. So we only got like another like, what, you know, 18, 19 months of him. But, but after that, you know, who knows what we're, you know, what he's going to do. I, Iger, released an official statement saying, quote, with the successful launch of Disney's direct-to-consumer businesses and the integration of 20th, 21st Century Fox well underway, I believe this is the optimal time to transition to a new CEO. I have the utmost confidence in Bob. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. And uh, look forward to working closely with him over the next 22 months as he assumes this new role and delves deeper into Disney's multifaceted global businesses and operations while I continue to focus on the company's creative endeavors. Uh, as for Bob uh, Chapik, uh, he's a veteran with over 24 years of Disney corporate experience and most recently served as the chairman of Disney Parks Experiences and Products. Uh, but, you know, this whole thing dropped out of nowhere. Bob stepped down effective immediately. And, and Disney's stock took a, an immediate 2.8% drop, which in dollar terms was $3.6 billion. What, what do you think of uh so, what do you think of this? I think it's a great change. Looking at what Bob Iger's going to be doing sounds fabulous that he's going to be a creative director. That I'm I'm excited to see what he does with it. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Bob Chapek does. Um, Chapek. Chapek. <laughs> We got to learn his name. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And he basically helmed the Disney parks through the transition of adding the Star Wars. Yeah, he to was. It. And Star Wars uh the, Galaxy Galaxy's Edge. Galaxy's Edge, yeah. Yeah, so I'm I look at it as a hopeful thing and maybe I should have bought some Disney stock when it <laughs> dropped. Uh, yeah, maybe. 
Maybe we should have. <laughs> but um, on to the next problem yeah. Disney has of Disney <laughs> needing to pick up the pace with uh, the Baby Yoda name. Yeah, Baby Yoda's everywhere. Uh, to include uh, the U.S. Army naming one of their tanks Baby Yoda. Yeah, this is no joke, folks. Uh, the Army's uh, the U.S. Army's official Twitter account tweeted a photo of two M1 Abrams tanks assigned to the 3rd Infantry Division at Fort Stewart, Georgia. Uh, lined up side by side, we see that one of the tanks is named Baby Yoda. Uh, apparently, the tank got the name Baby Yoda because the Army allowed a group of soldiers to vote on a name and Baby Yoda won. <laughs> <laughs> Next up for the Baby Yoda tank is a military exercise with roughly 37,000 service members and 20,000 pieces of equipment, making this the largest military exercise the U.S. forces have had in the last 25 years. But apparently, this, this, is, this, is, this is pretty dang funny. Apparently, this isn't the first time uh, a military branch has let service members name a piece of military equipment. The British... Royal Navy almost wound up with a ship called <laughs> Bodie McBoatface, <laughs> while the U.S. Air Force nearly named one of its bombers the Baconator. And that <laughs> should have happened. I really, uh, really think that should have happened. But it goes back to Disney is not controlling the asset's name because they refused to name it in the series so now pop culture has just named it baby yoda uh, will they be able to get back the name well uh well, i guess we'll see it when mandalorian season two comes out. i think it's i think it's possible but there's always going to be a a nickname of baby yoda yeah, attached it, it, it's possible but they have to really sell it and they really have well, to get you, the fans behind you know it. what they'll do is they'll is 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 the baby yoda will have a name and then the characters inside the mandalorian will start calling it baby whatever its name is baby whatever it's oh. that that might be the only way uh but moving on uh, the Kama uh, Konami code creator, you know, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, a start. A, B, start. B, A, start. B, A, start. Oh. I think it's B, A, start. I thought it was A, B. Well, you know, uh, when, when I first I learned it. I never good at it. <laughs> when I first learned it, I actually used to go up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, select, start. And it, it, the code would still work. But apparently it's just start. But anyways. And now I know why I was absolutely terrible at Nintendo. <laughs> well, uh, Cash. How do you say that, Amanda? Kazuisha. Kazuhisa? Hashimoto. Kazu I can do Hashimoto. Uh, anyways, has passed away. He was 61 years old. Uh, and while not everybody might know the name, uh, he created the iconic video game cheat code known as the Konami code. And everybody knows that code. Uh, and here's a, here's a funny thing. Uh, apparently, it was never meant to become a cheat code. It was just something that he used while testing games to make life a little easier for himself. How, <laughs> however, it didn't it didn't take long for gamers all over the world to catch on, especially with Contra uh, being the gateway for most gamers in the '80s. But uh, Hashimoto's death was confirmed by a spokesman for Konami the Japanese video game company. Hashimoto worked at the game maker for decades, starting in 1981. Uh, a cause of death has not been revealed, but 
but he he's, he's being reported at the age of 80, uh, 61, although that might not be his actual age. But anyways, uh, Konami had this to say in a statement. We are saddened to hear about the passing of, of Kaz- Kazuhisa. Ka- Hashimoto. <laughs> Tag team, that one. Uh, a deeply talented producer who first introduced the world to the Konami code. Our thoughts are with Hashimoto-san's family and friends at this time. Rest in peace. Um, and and we will extend those same uh, yes. with an up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. Be a start salute. We had our honeymoon on Alderaan. Good thing we took pictures, huh? <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, Shakespeare in the Park. And that means it's time for main event. Star Trek Picard mid-season nerd out. All right, Amanda, we're halfway through Star Trek Picard. The season one, we're halfway there. Actually, I think we're just a little over half. We're, yeah, just a little over half. We yeah. just we just got done uh, with episode six a few days ago. So episode seven is a few days away. We're halfway through the season. Uh, what I, I are your think, thoughts? I think we're picking up the pace. It has been dragging. Oh, my word. Oh, I, it, it would not survive without it being about Picard. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I would not be still watching it. Well, I w- if you go back and listen to our uh, Star Trek Picard nerd out episode, where the first one came out, uh, I loved it. I loved that first episode. The first episode got me hooked. I was all in. I know there was a, lo- a lot of people uh, angry that the, um, that the, the Star Trek universe in which humanity was basically perfect uh, and you know, had all these values, uh, you know, overcoming our differences and 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 all that stuff. A lot of people were hating that, but but I didn't mind that. I love the story. Bring on Data. Bring on his daughter. Let's get this mystery going. But then, yeah, episodes two, three, four, and five. Oh my word! Yeah, they they dragged on um, because. Because it, it, it seemed to me like they they walked they set up this awesome storyline and then they walked away to find the crew. Yeah, they they wanted to set up each individual character with a complete backstory. Yeah, and I wasn't interested. I wanted the story to well, move. You know, yeah. They, I mean, they could have they could have made episodes two, three, four, and five almost one episode. You know, have one episode showing Picard getting the crew together to go on this adventure. That makes sense, it, but it, but it, it it dragged on. Um, but but we finally got to episode six. Well, they're doing <laughs> something at least. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. It uh, episode six. <laughs> well, actually, we should we should back up a little bit because when you and I were watching this thing. You and I both kind of gave each other these looks like, oh, man. Okay, we're, we're, it's time to get on this endurance race. We know we need to watch this because, you know, we're super nerds. <laughs> but it well, is... It's got Picard. I want yeah. to see Picard. Well, but... I did, yeah. 
I do too, but it was just, it, it was it tedious. It really feels like they set it at a 93-year-old's pace. <laughs> like, okay, this is how fast a 93-year-old can walk. We're going to do the pace of the show about this pace. <laughs> well, you know, I, I do remember uh, in an interview, Patrick Stewart kind of warning the audience that, uh, you know, bear with us. He's not going to be in space right away. Uh, you know, give it a few episodes. And then it'll pick up. Um, so I remember him saying that. But but yes, finally, episode six came along. And, I, and I'm glad we waited one one more week to do this. Because if, if we just jumped right into oh, episode... we would have been miserable yeah. last week. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. If, if we jumped into this podcast only having seen episodes one through five, yeah, we would have only... We've just been like grinding our teeth going, come on, what are we, what are we watching? But, but episode six was great. Um, we finally got... Picard on the the Borg cube called the Artifact uh, with Soji, uh, Data's and twin Hugh. daughter, and Hugh was there. Yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, and and it was fun reminiscing uh, and having Picard back on a Borg cube. We haven't seen that since First Contact, the movie. Yeah, uh, but but let, let's let's take a listen to to Picard. Uh, back on the board cube and, and what that was like for him real quick. This is not board cube anymore. It's artifact. And you are Jean-Luc Picard, not Locutus. All that is long behind you. Thank you. You you're right. It was a very long time ago. Tell me how I can help. I'm looking for someone. Um, appearance, human, from Earth. She may be engaged in some research here. Her name is Soji. Dr. Soji Asha? Yes. I think she's in serious danger. What? Why would you ask that? A hunch. Something about her. Something about you coming this far to this place and something about the dashing young Romulan spy who showed up two weeks ago pretending not to be asking questions about her can you take me to her now so yeah we'll stop it there um I think what was most impactful about the scene of Picard coming onto the Borg cube was the post-traumatic stress that we really clearly see him dealing with and how he just seems to feel like he's all over the place and he's about to fall off and the Borg come to rescue him. Yeah, that was, that was well, former Borg, former F- Borg FBs. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, what was cool about the former Borgs is uh, I remember this one scene in which uh, Picard's standing there with Hugh. And, and, and it might have been that scene that we just listened to. And there was a former Borg. He looked like he was pushing some sort of like hover cart. Uh, and then he makes a turn down this hallway. And, and and that former Borg, his body language was exactly the way a normal Borg would be walking and looking at him. I thought that was that was a nice touch. Um, but but yeah, we've got we've got Picard on the Borg ship and and, and, and they mentioned it there. What, what's that? What's the Romulan spy dude? You know, the, through episodes two through four. Or two through five. Every time they showed those two together, oh my word! I hated 
every moment of the episode. I just wanted to get back to Picard. What is Picard doing? I really have n- not one care in the world of of you know how often this this dude can pretend to to like this girl, whatever. Um, <laughs> So what I've been noticing, though, is as slow as the pace is, is they're really they're building up the storyline. I think there's so many so many stories out there that they don't do enough backstory to really help you understand why the action's important. Sure. So the whole episode with Seven of Nine, as much as I'm like, I do not care. But I I do care because I love Seven of Nine. But at the same time, I'm like, uh... It really showed what happened, and it really makes it impactful when Picard and he were talking about how former Borgs are victims. Yeah. And it really made that more impactful because we got to see this whole how Seven of Nine was living her life as a former Borg and how difficult that was for her and how there are people out there going and tracking down former Borg to steal their parts. Yeah. And- and that's an interesting side story, an interesting side pl- plot, but that's just it. It's the side plot. Well, it, it, it's uh, okay. They're they're bringing these side plots in to make it a more fulfilling end. Uh, for for what though? We for, don't know yet. Uh, oh, why did hmm. she hire? I can't remember his name. Why? Who? Why did who hire? Why did the woman stealing Borg parts? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Hire the dude. Oh, uh, to to get Borg parts? Is that what you're saying? Okay, so, well, she was collecting Borg parts. Yeah. Stealing them. Yeah. Ki- kidnapping people and stealing their parts. Um, why did she hire the guy who designed Soji and Dodge? Okay. Yeah, may- maybe I'm underestimating the the Borg data uh, connection. Because so- cause if you remember, data... Uh, was hooked up to the collective at the end of uh, first contact. So maybe, maybe, maybe data. Oh, I'm I'm just these thoughts are coming to me. Maybe like data, like his his memory, whatever was downloaded into Ooh. that artifact, and may, maybe data's memories and all that he is is in the artifact, and maybe that's why Soji was there. That doesn't that doesn't necessarily explain why well, Soji was, was created. She was and all assigned that stuff. there for a reason because she was sent yeah. there, and her sister was sent to, to go work for oh the place in Okinawa. Um, oh, that that university. Yeah, yeah, she was sent there for a purpose. They were supposed to be collecting information <laughs> to bring it back. Uh, well, I have to admit, um, throwing out these theories and all these things that are suddenly popping in my head is getting me just a little more excited about so, the show. Yeah. It's a slow burn. Oh, my word. Oh, my goodness. It's It's such a a slow slow burn. burn. And you know what? We're not the only ones that feel that way. We've we've got some listener feedback from uh, Bill uh, Grunewald. Uh, You know, he just sent us a short message. Uh, You know, everybody, everyone raves about it. And I like it, but it's CBS pandering again. And if it wasn't for Patrick Stewart, it would be absolutely terrible. Yes. Oh yes, that is complete. <laughs> I agree. I yeah. so agree. Yeah, Bill, it, we we do agree with you, and and, and thanks for sending that into us, folks. If you listening want to ever reach out to us, you can do so uh, 
via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can shoot us an email at supernerdpodcast at gmail.com. And you can even leave us a voicemail. You might be featured on the show uh, at anchor.fm slash supernerdpodcast. But, okay. but so, Bill, yeah, we agree with you. One of the important things is they're only able to do this slow burn because of Patrick Stewart and because uh, this is about Picard. Well, I don't- so they're taking advantage of it to put in all this storyline material <laughs> because everything they're showing is going to be important, I feel, later on. Uh, well, if it doesn't, it that's going to be... It's probably going to like anger a, a lot, lot of fans. A lot of fans, yeah. Well, be- it- it's just, it is such a slow burn, but well, I'm trying to remember the um, robotic engineer's name. I really oh, um, ah, yeah, yes, because they found him. <laughs> yeah, they found him. And then what's her name killed him. Why did what's her name what, kill him? Wh- and then why did she sleep with the captain? <laughs> okay, so yeah, let's jump in this a little bit. Okay, I so, mean, they show that she had a relationship with the guy that they were yeah, yeah, together yeah. at oh. one point. Yeah, what was his name? I'm having a brain fart. I can see his face. He's, he, had, he had the beard. Anyways, uh, <laughs> it, it sounds like they're setting up some sort of like splinter cell in the in in the Federation in in Starfleet. Like that that uh, the Romulans have like infiltrated Starfleet and are like destroying it from the inside out. And and I'm wondering if she might be a part of this splinter cell, uh, you know, people. I don't know. I don't, I don't, you know, this is just me thinking. I don't know if there actually is a splinter cell, but it feels like there is. I mean, doesn't it? Yes. Well, maybe when the Romulans took her, they actually, like, made one of themselves look like her. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, well, mm, well mm, mm-hmm, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but, but, um, but let's let's go back a little bit because you know episodes two, three, four, and five were all about introducing all these new characters, giving them all these backstories. And and what I want to ask you is, do you actually like any of the new characters? Uh, I think the captain's fun. The the new captain. The the name. grumpy captain. The grumpy captain. Really? Um, I find him to be very annoying. Rios. <laughs> Rios. Cristobal Rios. I I find him to be. Why do you like him? What what stands out about his character to you? I just find him funny. <laughs> but he he doesn't do anything. He just he's just grumpy and tells the uh, computer to uh, uh, go. There away. was a meme that was so perfect. He's all in like oh. his flamboyant gear. The most interesting man. It was hilarious. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. But, uh, Anyway, so back to the guy's name that we couldn't remember. It's Dr. Bruce Maddox. Oh, yes, Bruce Maddox. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do with, um, I can't remember with her what? name now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, keep keep the actor name <laughs> or character it, it, name. The is so boring. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember their names either. Agnes Gerardi. Yeah. So it, keep it open. Don't close it. <laughs> yeah. Keep all the, all the, uh, all the characters names. Um. So, Dr. Gerardi, having her be a Romulan spy within them, I think that could be really interesting. And that would be why she was studying the life, her own life, and going back over it in journals. Because When remember- was she doing that? I don't remember that. Yes. It was such a slow burn <laughs> that you're like, why is she doing this? This doesn't matter. I'm going to just brain dump it. Um, and, no, she was actually going over pictures of... 
her life with Bruce Maddox, how they had been involved in a relationship. Oh yeah, I do. I do remember that. But I thought I, I thought that was just kind of like reminiscing, not necessarily. Well, it, could it have been reminiscing, or was it figuring <laughs> out connections? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Everything's but, important. Everything is important that they're showing us. I really think it's going to be important. <laughs> we'll see. You know, of the new characters, I like the uh, the Romulan samurai dude. He's cool, but he's dead. No, no. He's going to be dead. No. He's totally going to be dead. Why? Because that's what they seem to be doing. They bring characters on for like an episode or two, and then all of a sudden it's like dead. Well, he's, it's, it's like, can no. we get some people on red shirts so we can know no, who's going to die? No, he, he's sticking around. I don't think he's going to die at the end of that episode six. But can he, we please get some red shirts on the ones who are going to die, please? Uh, Just as a thought, um, Picard but, series. But uh, I like his character, and I like the uh, the female Romulan that was working on his uh, vineyard. She was cool. I really liked her. Yeah. Those two I've enjoyed the most. Everybody else, uh, whenever I'm turning on this series and I see Patrick Stewart, I'm just waiting. I'm like, come on, man. Where's where's Data? Or where's Riker? Or where's Worf? I mean, give me some next generation. <laughs> I don't know. I, I really liked Hugh coming back. And well, he was cool. That, that was awesome. I mean, it kind of felt like a new character. But, there. He, but he's not sticking around. No, he's not. He's dying you, with um, the Romulan dude. They're not dying. They're not dying. Anyways, uh, you know, tortured. Who I, you know, Extremely tortured. you know, who I thought was going to stick around is, is seven of nine. I wanted her to stick around. I thought that would have been so awesome. I thought she was going to be a main character. Me too. Uh, a part of the crew moving forward. Maybe she'll pop back up again. Hopefully. But. But um, yeah, I, I was not expecting a one and done episode with her, and that that seems to be kind of the theme. Like you were mentioned, they 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 bring back Data. He's only been there for one episode. It's, it looks like Riker uh, is going to be in this next episode, episode seven, according to the uh, the trailers. Probably Troy will be as well. Yeah, and and they'll probably only be around for just one episode, uh, which kind of annoys me. Well, uh, if you think about it, Riker's been in a lot more. A lot more. We're talking about. He's been directing episodes. Oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> so we have a potential to bring him back more. <laughs> well, well, I'm sure Please. he would do it if he would do it, but uh, it but, has to fit the storyline, and we just have to follow the story they're telling and see where it's going. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there, the, the, there was one thing I wanted to talk about in our last uh, Star Trek Picard episode, uh, and that that was the music. I'm I'm a big music person. If you ever stick around to the end of the podcast, I've always got some sort of music going on uh, that kind of relates with a, a topic of the show. But but uh, the the music to Picard, the opening theme song, is c- incredibly different. Um, let's take a listen to it, and and, and I want to just talk about it for a little bit and get your thoughts on it. So so here's the opening theme song.
there's a bit of a, uh... Wait, wait. It, it, yeah, it, yeah, it took forever. <laughs> it is a bit of a slow burn song for a slow burn show. Oh, man. I, uh... Oh, my word, this music. I, I, I hate this music. I it, hate it, it. It's the slow burn. It's I, the slow burn. I hate it. You know, Star Trek Discovery has a song that's almost like this, too. And then and then Star Trek uh, Enterprise, way back in the day, had, you know, had like a country song. Look, look. Why? It wasn't a country song. It was a good song. But it was not. It was not. Uh, along the lines of Voyager, Deep Space Nine, The Next Generation, the or, anyway. or or even the the original series. I, I, I loved that song. That song is like no. awesome and amazing by itself, but it's not a Star Trek song. <laughs> this this Picard music this is put, not okay. Star Trek. So I'm going back to my theory about how they looked at this show and said this is about a 93 year old. Everything. <laughs> On how slow a 93-year-old uh, moves. Look, look, Paramount, CBS, can't we get a bombastic explore the galaxy at the seat of our pants going light speed orchestra soundtrack again? I mean not with a 93-year-old. Yeah, we can. Strap yeah. strap up those depends. We're doing this. <laughs> you know. I miss. I I miss the next generation music. What and you know, I I I I read some interviews with the director or not the director the the composer of this of this music and in the the thought process behind it was that this was not a um this was not a theme for a crew on a starship. This is a theme for a this, ninety-three year old. This was this was. <laughs> This was for an individual, specifically just Picard and and his journey, and and so they wanted to take it in this slow, boring. They designed it over the pace of how it passed a ninety-three-year-old. But I mean, when you watch those slow burn episodes. And then you have to start off the show with this slow burn song. I mean, I mean, come on. There's only so much we can take here. I mean, I want to like bash my head against the wall. Ugh. So I'm a person that can last through an extremely long, slow burn. Yeah. Um, just to give you an idea, one of my favorite book series, the Wheel of Time series, it took 75 pages for anything to happen. <laughs> and that's 75 pages of the hardback book. Ugh. Not even like the, the the paperback takes even long take, takes even more pages. Mm. It just it takes forever to get anywhere. So I can handle a slow burn. You just have to give me something every once in a while. Yeah. yeah and and and, that, and that's why I think I'm so mad about this music is because like, you know, if we had the next generation theme back maybe maybe like add a little bit to it but you know still keep that that pace and that tempo and that energy 
I, I would come back to the episode just to listen to that that new rendition of the music. I I think that would really get me pumped up. But no, well, we no, got we, this. No, they, they gave us a ninety three year old energy uh, level. Yeah, with they the did. Music. Yeah, they did. It, but everything's based around Picard, so it makes sense. Hopefully, though, the young people around him can help him pick up the pace. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's jump back into to the mid-season, episode six again, uh, before before we wrap up the show. Because we ended this last episode on kind of an awesome cliffhanger. We finally get Picard on the Borg ship. We finally got Picard standing uh, in front of uh, Soji. We have rescued Soji. We have rescued Soji, uh, and and now they're off on a new world. Let's let's take a listen to that clip again, and, and let's and let's talk about what we think uh, might we might be seeing uh, for the rest of the season. Soji, do you know me? My name is Jean Luc Picard. I'm a friend of friend of your father's and your sister came to see me wanting my help but i couldn't help her please soji let me help you do you know what's happening to me i do let me explain romulans lots of them you can get us out of here this way come come please trust me please They are in some serious trouble, and he's not responding. Yeah. So all I'm going to say, it's it's really hard to trust the old guy after, <laughs> after having the um, cute boy. But the cute boy did try and kill her, so, you know, maybe there's some, some room there for trusting <laughs> the old dude. Well, you, you know, one thing I, I picked up in that, uh, just listening to the audio, you know, we, we obviously watch the actual episode, but just listening to the audio there... Um, you know, I picked up on a, uh, an urgency uh, that I didn't realize the first time seeing it in, in Picard's voice when he's mm-hmm. saying, please, please, you know, to, to entice her to come with with me. Uh, I just thought that, that, that was really interesting. So we just have to remember this show is going as fast as Picard <laughs> can go. He is working his Hard out now, and it is going as fast as he can. Now, go. These, if if you're telling me these next episodes, he's getting Soji to be his, uh, at, you know, uh, at home nurse because he left the other one at home. I'm going to be really <laughs> mad. Well, she's an android; she can totally pick him up and run. Uh, she could, she could. So, so okay. So we've got about five more episodes left of this of the season before we come back and do our end of season nerd out. Uh, where do you think the this season is going? Where, where is it going to end? What, what what do you see in the next couple of episodes? You know, I think um, the Romulan infiltration of the Federation is going to get revealed. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm really hoping that that's how they end it with a cliffhanger of what does the Federation do now and exposing the Romulan involvement on Mars. Yeah, yeah. I I think you're. I think you're right on the money. That is exactly where I think it is going because um, not only that, but you know, I, I want to go. I want to go back to all the fan hatred of of this new Trek universe. That it's not, you know, people are saying it's not Gene Roddenberry's universe. Now think about this for a second. Uh, I had that on my mind. Not Gene Roddenberry's universe. What if by the end of this uh, series? 
Jean-Luc Picard not only saves, you know, you know, data or whatever, but he's actually saving the Federation. He's saving Starfleet and kind of steering them back towards Gene Roddenberry's universe. I mean, it, I mean, just picture how like epic that would be for the fandom that that, you know, Jean-Luc Picard isn't just saving the day. He's saving the morals and principles behind Star Trek. That's that would be awesome. That would be epic. Uh, but, uh, and if that happened, I I think that officially makes Jean Luc Picard the greatest of all the captains. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, and admirals, and, and sure, admirals. Sure. sure. So uh, yeah. Any other thoughts on where you think this series might go? No, I think I've pretty much. Are, do you think we're going to get data back? No. Oh my word. No. I think we're getting data back. No. I think we're no. getting. I think we're getting data back. No. I already gave you my two cents. He's he hooked up to the 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 Borg and the collective. His mind's on the thing. I think after they save Soji, they're going back to the Borg uh, cube, the artifact. I, th- I okay, we're right on the money with 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 the Romulan uh, conspiracy being revealed. But I think Data's coming back. That that's my next prediction. Um, so. I think uh, I think I think that's it. <laughs> I think that's it, folks. Thanks so much for joining us on another adventure of Super Nerd Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and leave us a five star review wherever you're listening to us. Subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever else you are finding to us. Finding us next week. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna kind of do a state of the union, but on uh, Harry Potter, we're calling it our state of Harry Potter. We're gonna we're gonna jump into some Harry Potter fandom. So make sure to leave us a voicemail with your thoughts on uh, Harry Potter, anything, any of the movies, anything going on. You can do so at anchor.fm slash super nerd podcast. Leave us a voicemail, and you just might be featured on our upcoming show. You can even email us your thoughts on Harry Potter at supernerdpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and you can leave us some uh, you know thoughts and opinions on, on Harry Potter on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just search Super Nerd Podcast and give us a like, give us a share. Tell your friends all about us, folks. Thanks so much. Uh, stay nerdy, my friends. Have fun. A singular development of cat communications that obviates your basic hedonistic predilection for a rhythmic stroking of your fur to demonstrate affection. A tail is quite essential for your acrobatic talents. You would not be so agile if you lacked its counterbalance. And when not being utilized to aid in locomotion, it often serves to illustrate the state of your emotion. The complex levels of behavior you display connote a fairly well-developed cognitive array. And though you are not sentient and do not comprehend, I nonetheless consider you a true and valued friend.